0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, this is John Dorsey. How are you doing, buddy boy? Be
0: What's better than this, guys? Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are here, your hosts, here on this Monday edition of the show. Glad to be here to talk about some of our notable takeaways from the weekend that was in football. And as uh, Bills and Dolphins fans that were quarterbacked by Derek Anderson
1: and Brock Eisweiler, I think
0: we'll talk about everything else. What do you say, Kyle?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a lifelong Detroit Lions fan, and it feels great to be celebrating yet another Victory Monday.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Of course. You know who's not celebrating Victory Monday?
0: Uh, A lot of people, but who specifically?
1: Uh, Justin Tucker. (laughs) Oh, man, you're throwing shade. What What in the hell happened? He doesn't even know. I've never seen Justin, and this is obviously hyperbole. I have never seen Justin Tucker miss a kick. It's automatic. It's supposed to be one of the most automatic things in sports. It's like sending Steph Curry to the free throw line. It's just, you know, they got three points. They got an extra point. Joe, I talked to you in the pregame show. It was like God Himself reached down and just gently pushed that ball to the right. That came off his foot, and it was dead freaking on. It was dead on. It's halfway home, and it makes a hard right to Albuquerque. Nuts.
0: Yeah, uh, Ravens fans probably pretty upset about that. I mean, I think that team's good, and they got the best defense in the league. Saints, man, they, their offense just—it's too much to defend. It, it really is just too much to defend. I mean, they—they they hit you with the Taysom Hill stuff, Camara, Ingram, Michael Thomas. Obviously, great offensive line, Drew Brees, who can manipulate everything. I mean, it's just, man. I think the Saints are right there in the thick of this NFC right now. Um,
1: must be nice—an offense that's that's too much, bro.
0: The Bills are averaging 11 and a half points a game this year, Kyle. Is that good? I think their average yards is like in the 200s, Kyle. It's 2018. It's never been easier to play offense in the NFL and the Bills. The Bills don't have a clue. But I digress. Listen, man,
1: trust the process.
0: I I am trusting, respecting all of those things, Kyle. I I am. Um, Let's talk about something good. Can we? Now I want to mention sure. Bryce Hall, Bryce Hall, this cornerback from Virginia. He has been popping and, and I'm a sucker. I watch all these ACC games and I've really kind of gravitated towards this Virginia defense for the entire season. It's a fun unit. And the guy that keeps popping is their right cornerback. Well, I guess it's their left cornerback, Bryce Hall, number 34. He's a three-year starter, 6'1", 200 pounds. And, you know, he just has he just has really caught my eye in terms of how he's competed and really where he really started to catch my attention was the NC State game where he matched up with Kelvin Harmon and Kelvin Harmon made his plays. He's going to make his plays, But but you just noticed the guy that was just always in position when Harmon made his plays. It wasn't because he had crazy amounts of separation. I mean, Bryce Hall was right there and just Harmon. Made a great play at the catch point and finish, but Harmon was right there. And then he made this big play against Miami, where he literally covered—I don't know—I'm guessing 60 yards uh, in terms of a pursuit angle on Travis Homer to tra- to tackle him and keep him out of the end zone, and, and wind up having Miami settle for a field goal and not a touchdown on that drive. And you know, the big three-point win for Virginia over Miami was uh, due in large to that individual effort. And then you just look at this guy. I I took the time this week to go watch his game tape this year, really focusing on him. And I think we got something here, man. Over the last uh, his last seven games, his last seven games, he's got two interceptions and fourteen pass breakups. It was a lot of production on the ball, and it really speaks to his ability to use his physical traits. He's big and long, but he's also has incredible speed. On that play where he tracked down Homer, they clocked him over twenty two miles an hour. He can boogie, man. And he's got physicality, and he's a guy that's super competitive at the catch point, and his ball production speaks for itself. He came away with another interception this week against uh, Daniel Jones and Duke, and he is just on a tear right now. And I know a lot of people aren't probably paying attention to the Virginia Cavaliers like I am, but uh, between him and Juan Thornhill, a safety who I've talked up a ton, those guys are on fire and playing big-time defense out there. And Bryce Hall, a player that I think has elevated his draft stock as much as any player so far that i've seen this season any player yeah well i mean that's that's that, rich. that's bold any cornerback let me let me let me box okay. myself in that okay, was a rookie yeah. mistake i made right there and you and you certainly didn't let it let it slide We'll say cornerback
1: yeah hedge your bets here brother yeah and protect you from yourself more thank than you
0: thank you kyle of um, course so you got to check him out, Cal. Spend some time. looking at my boy, Bryce Hall, 34 for the Virginia Cavaliers, Cal. You know, ever since you and I have started pos- podcasting together, which I'm guessing is like three or four years now, people ask us for advice, and it's usually who should they bet on this week. And the truth is sometimes we know, but a lot of times we don't. But if you think you do, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I'm always going to tell you to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You've got to use our promo code, though, which is locked on 25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code Locked On25 when creating your account to claim that bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Check out my bookie today, and we'll be right back after this to talk more about the weekend that was in college football and the NFL.
2: Valentine's Day is just around the corner and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs, And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on
1: at manscaped.com. So, Joe, we talked about who's celebrating Victory Mondays and who is not celebrating Victory Mondays. But, Joe, somebody lost a job over the weekend. I don't know if he saw me. this. Yep. Wasn't one me either. I'm still here <laughs> doing this show. Probably some people will, uh, much to their chagrin, but I digress. One Blake Bortles was benched in favor of Cody Kessler and the Jacksonville Jaguars 20 to 7 loss to the suddenly red hot Houston Texans. Houston's won four games in a row to starting the year 0 and 3. Jacksonville is 3-4. and They just absolutely imploded. Uh, Bortles had two fumbles lost in this football game. That's the 26th time since the start of 2014 Bortles has has multiple turnovers in a game. 26 times! Mm -hmm. That's nuts. And Jacksonville is in a deep, deep hole now. And there's not a lot of light at the end of this tunnel because this roster is really good. But their quarterback situation, which is to the surprise of absolutely nobody who knows how to watch film, uh, is absolutely horrible. So Cody Kessler was inserted into this football game through 30 pass attempts and the Jaguars scored seven points, Joe.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting about this whole discussion is it plays in a lot to what we're dealing with this year with the New York Giants, right? New York Giants, they gave, they pass on the opportunity to draft Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. uh, And they went and got Saquon Barkley. And so far we've celebrated that. And we think that, um, well, not everyone celebrated that we've seen what Saquon Barkley can do, but there's still questions. We talked about it last week on the show about that choice. Well, the, the 2017 draft, we saw a similar situation with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the number four pick in the draft, and they took Leonard Fournette, and they didn't take Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And coincidentally, in this game, where Deshaun Watson is making, you know, plays left and right, and obvi- you know, leading to <laughs> the Jaguars benching Blake Bortles because he can't match strides. And, and Leonard Fournette is on the shelf with an injury and they just had to trade for Carlos Hyde so that they can have their ground and pound back in Doug Marone's power running offense. It leads to a lot of questions. And, and the, the thing is, you know, I, I feel like a lot of these teams are just married to these quarterbacks. And you got to move on. And it made it doesn't make sense to me for me, particularly with the Jaguars, where this regime, this Tom Coughlin Doug Marone m- regime, has no ties to Blake Portals. They didn't draft him, right. but for some reason they continue to protect him. Oh, now they benched him this week, but they were all about some Blake Portals entering this year, and we knew, we knew this was handcuffing this team, and it's it's coming. It's real shocker that it's unfolding right before our eyes.
1: Yeah, I I'm really. You made a really nice comparison, Joe, talking about 2017 and the draft decisions that they made in drafting Leonard Fournette. And I know that was a big part of the the team identity of the Jaguars, right? It's like you bring in Doug Marone and this is we're going to be a smash mouth football team. They draft Leonard Fournette. They draft Cam Robinson, who's out for the year this year with Mm -hmm. an injury. Um, So it, it made sense from a team vision perspective. But Joe, Leonard Fournette, despite the hype that he was given, was not a generational talent like Saquon Barkley. So even when you compare Mm -hmm. the decision that the Giants made, I would be much, 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 much more prone to accept this decision with a guy like Saquon Barkley, who was so much more dynamic and, and explosive in lateral situations and gives you much more in the receiving game. And Leonard... No, if, if you got him momentum going into the line of scrimmage, he was like the juggernaut. It was really mm-hmm. difficult to stop him. Mm-hmm. But if you made Leonard Fournette redirect at any point in his run before he broke the line of scrimmage, he got bottled up fairly easily. And you saw this straight line explosiveness with him. And, I mean, I liked Leonard. Leonard was in my top 20, but I had an early second round value on Leonard, and he was like 19th on the big board. And Saquon, for me, is the most highly scored player I've ever graded. So when you compare and contrast the situations, I think it gets amplified. And and that's where I think some of this uh, situation surrounding Saquon and the debate about you know, taking a running back at two overall gets lost because Fournette was such a media darling for so long that I think it loses some perspective to realize that Leonard wasn't the special talent that Saquon Barkley was. So it's easier to look back in hindsight and for me to be a little more critical of the Jaguars, even though, you know, Leonard still has a long way to go in his career and he's shown that he can be a very good football player than what the Giants are.
0: One of the talking points I was uh, brewing on in my mind there while you were talking was to mention that neither me nor you had a first round grade on Leonard Fournette. All right. And so that, I mean, that speaks to a reach and look, man, hindsight's 2020, but the NFL is about winning with a quarterback and being able to have a sustainable winning formula starts with having a guy that you believe in that can, that you have a chance to win every single week because that guy's your quarterback. And until you have that guy, you need to keep looking and keep throwing darts and keep trying to find one. And the question now is, look, I, I don't know how Jacksonville can go back to Blake and really believing in Blake, and it seems like they've got to figure something out and they, you know they missed the opportunity to both sign Teddy Bridgewater and trade for Teddy Bridgewater, but we've talked about this a couple times so far over the last couple of weeks that this isn't the year to go into the offseason with needing to replace your quarterback. We don't know what's happening with Herbert. We don't know what's happening with Haskins. The rest of this draft class looks really below average at quarterback. You counting on some free agent that some other team didn't want to keep? Very questionable offseason to get this quarterback position right.
1: I think you're going to see a lot of shifting from the teams that don't have quarterbacks, right? Like there's a lot of teams that have established young quarterbacks that that are promising. Mitch Trubisky, 4,000-yard watch, Joe's. Projection 4,250 yards in over 16 game season. Hail Mary Health, brother. Oh, baby. I'll take him <laughs> any way I can get him. He's on pace. But I digress. Yeah. Um, teams like Tennessee, Oakland with Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, the the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill, these teams are not they're not clicking. I think you could see some turnovers with veterans. Wow. Wow.
0: That's interesting.
1: I think you almost have to because the market there from the young talent coming in in this year's draft class, it's not, it's not there. And there's so many teams that need new quarterbacks. There's teams that know their answers are not on their roster. There's you know situations like in Oakland where just how big is John Gruden's ego going to get? Is he going <laughs> to shuttle their car just because he wants to do the team his way? Yeah. Like I don't know. But the, but I think if you look at some of the established veteran quarterbacks that haven't taken their team to that place that they need to be, I th- I think you're going to get more interest in those types of players this year than in a typical year because of just how dry that well is from a draft perspective.
0: Someone's going to give uh, Teddy Bridgewater twenty plus million a year. It's going to happen,
1: right? I mean, it
0: might have to be the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> well, it's, man, uh, it, this is going to be a wild off season. And I think that's an interesting point that you made there that I haven't considered. Just maybe some of the shuffling of the deck with some of the guys we know about, and just yeah. change the scenery can could create a spark. Buy yourself a year, um, and then it's all about Tua, man. <laughs> Whoever all gets Tua, Tua in twenty twenty. I'm going to give you a hot take of hot takes. The most important te- thing a team can do going into the 2020 NFL draft is making sure they get to it. Because that's your franchise changer right there, brother. That's how you shift everything. And whoever is smart enough, okay, smart enough to have the number one pick and get to it, it'd be the best thing that ever happened to that organization. How many picks you trained for Tua, Joe? i trade everything, but it, the, the bottom line is this. you got to have the number one pick. That, that's not, it's not available. Whoever right. has the number one pick, is, it's not available in 2020. And so when you're sitting with – I'm not getting into the bills, but 2020 is the year to need a quarterback and have the number one pick and do whatever you have to do to
1: get it. All right, Joe, take a deep breath. We're yep. going to take this brief pause, let you catch your breath, let everybody <laughs> listening to catch their breath. We'll be right back after this brief message from some of our sponsors to talk about why officiating in football sucks.
0: This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories.
1: All right, Joe, I talked to you in the pregame, and I said I didn't have anything to talk about, specifically, but I lied to you. I got to get this off my chest. How does Devin White get kicked out of a football game on Saturday for pushing Nick Fitzgerald in the chest with his hands and now has to sit out the first half of the game against Alabama, and then Baker Mayfield gets speared with the crown of his helmet but because he's evacuated to pocket and he's a runner, it's a legal hit on Sundays in the NFL. We are sending so many mixed messages, and I just I don't know what a penalty is anymore. I really don't. Uh, yeah, very
0: frustrating, right? Um, and you heard Mike Leach kind of get very spirited about that going into the weekend as well. And um, that Devin White hit, Total garbage, and especially, I mean,
1: and they yeah, stood up
0: for it, right, right. And now he's got to sit out the first half against Bama. Man, like that's that's tough, man. Officiating's frustrating, man. It frustrates it's, me every week.
1: It's bullcorn, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's I don't. So frustrating. You know me, and I have
0: a hard time like complaining about things that I don't know how to fix, and. What what is the answer? Do you have the answer to getting this across football problem solved so we can have correctly officiated football games? I don't know. <laughs> Just don't be know.
1: better at what you do. Yeah, like how hard is it? Like I don't it, know. they reviewed the Devin White hit and they upheld the suspension. There's three different angles that show that he had his hands in front of his face. And he hit Fitzgerald in the chest. There's no snap back on Nick Fitzgerald's head here. Like this, this shouldn't be this hard. How do you review it and determine that there was forcible intent delivered to the neck or head region of an def- indefensible receiver or, or player? I'm so mad about it. I can't even get the words right.
0: I don't know, man. I, I officiated a powder puff game one time for high school and uh, I never wanted to do anything like that again. So,
1: was the speed of the de- the game difficult for you?
0: Um, just a bunch of a uh, bunch of spectators, coaches, and players yelling at you every single play. And I was like, okay, wow. sounds like to, our
1: podcast every trying to trying to the best I can here, folks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kyle, can I shift gears here? Talk about yeah, let's, uh, let's
1: get one more let's get one more segment in here before man, we send man, the folks out. You trying to bottle me in here? I um, am. I know, because I know how you work, so.
0: Well, okay, if I only have one more talking point I can get to, i got to mention Ryan Finley, quarterback, NC State. Talk about an important game he had going up against Clemson on the road, uh, both teams undefeated, huge ACC implications on the game, and honestly, national implications because there's a real chance both of these teams win out, okay, and there's not a lot of resistance along the way, and we can debate it all we want, but an undefeated ACC champion is going to have a hell of a case for being in the national uh, college football playoffs. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Ryan Finley, this quarterback, as a prospect, because there are some uh, major outlets out there that have him highly regarded. Some of our friends have him number two quarterback in the class. Number Another one of our friends at another outlet, number one quarterback in the class. And... Um, I put a statement out in my ACC action recap from the weekend that basically I'm just going to read it because I think I I said what I wanted to say. I said, I know Finley has some fans in the draft community, but I challenge anyone who believes in Finley to examine their process and develop standards standards that are in line with how NFL quarterbacks find success when evaluating prospects finley's limited kyle he's got limited arm strength he's got a slow trigger his ball placement beyond 10 yards is very hit or miss and when you put all that together with very inconsistent pocket presence you don't have a guy that's a qb one or two or a guy that you should be mocking in the first round or a player that has any appeal in that area he's a six-year player he's going to be 24 in december there's not a lot of upside here there's not a lot of reason to believe he's going to get better so calm down with the Finley hype we we saw the Clemson game encapsulated his issues as a player going up against top competition him trying to fit those balls in those on those 10 yard out routes and he's just lollypopping it over there and and it's he's he's a pick six waiting to happen I've seen this is Nate Peterman this is Nate Peterman in the NFL so go ahead and continue your first round hype but Finley ain't it man. he's just not we saw it against Clemson
1: Man, you stole my thunder there at the very at the very end because I was getting ready to ask you who do these limitations sound like? It's Peterman and they I learned sound my like mistake. Nathan Peterman. Right. I'm I'm looking right now at every quarterback I have evaluated since two thousand fourteen, looking for similar names, names that are limited quarterbacks, limited arm. Uh, limited mobility, limited in a lot of different capacities. And I'm trying to find players that I could liken Ryan Finley to. And the names that I'm coming by, and I'm like, oh yeah, the limitations there kind of remind me are guys like Nathan Peterman, guys like is the next one aaron murray. keith Wenning. yeah a- aaron murray keith Wenning. sean Mannion's maybe the highest upside luke falk fails david fails david fail yeah th- these are all best case scenario backup quarterbacks right so i think when you really look at the and then joe you made a great point 24 he's gonna be 24
0: yeah in december
1: that's a hard sell By the end of his rookie year, this guy's going to be 25 years old. So by the time he hits his mental peak, assuming he stays with a roster long-term into a second contract, by the time he hits his mental peak in the game, he's going to be in his 30s. And this is a player that's already physically limited. And now you're going to begin to see the physical downturn betray him as a player just when mentally he's peaking and ready to compete. So that's that's a rough combination. And, Joe, I actually agree wholeheartedly with you. You This has been a passionate show. We've complained about a lot. (laughs) We've gotten a lot off our chest. But I agree with you 100% in this specific instance in that Ryan Finley ain't it. This this was kind of, there you go, throw a couple hot takes in here at the end of the show. This past week has been Uh, It or not it, for me, for several prominent prospects. Uh, Brian Lewerke, no, not it. I'm out, right? Drew Locke, I haven't seen what I wanted to see. Too many limitations. Drew Locke was a hard one because I watched like five Drew Locke games, and Drew Locke's big thing right now when he gets pressure is he backpedals away from the line of scrimmage and tries to Mm -hmm. rely on his arm to get it done. Mm -hmm. I'm out. You can't do that. Right. You know, and, and this is another more mature project or prospect, a guy that's supposed to be peaking, it's supposed to be have been experiencing development and getting better in certain areas. And if you're not giving me development at this point in the game, I'm out. So guys like Ryan Finley, Drew Locke, Brian LeWourke, if I'm Brian LaWerke, I'm looking for who can I graduate transfer to next year. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm not coming yeah. back to play Michigan State next year. That team is shit. And I got to get the hell away from playing Michigan's defense again. <laughs> How are you not going to mention Stidham in this rant, Kyle? Because Stidham sucked <laughs> to begin with. So Did you think? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, third week in October, man. This is where we're at in the draft process. These guys have enough on their resume where if they're not giving it to you now, they're not going to give it to you. And you got to get off the wagon. So that that's kind of that was my big epiphany this weekend was, yeah, I mean, it's 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 time to make some hay here. If you guys aren't giving it to me, I'm getting off.
0: What I've appreciated about this draft class and all the work I've done in my life to this point is really fine tuning those standards and developing standards and holding prospects accountable to it. Right. If it's not there, it's not there. You can be told Jared Siddham's a first round guy and that. He he's the next Tony Romo. But if he's really not, and you really focus on him and you really understand the traits, you've got to hold him to these standards and and break break away from the group think, break away from this idea that every quarterback's a first round guy, and then they just gradually move down from there. You've got to have standards and you've got to hold prospects accountable for it. We've have we have history. We've seen it all, right? We we know what works and what doesn't, and and that right. has to show up in the evaluation process. And I think this year more than ever, it's it's come very easy to identify at this point in the process.
1: Well, we'd like you as our listeners to hold yourself to a high standard and hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. How's this for a segue? Oh, Follow nicely along. done. all week. We got great content. We got takes on takes tomorrow. We already have some good takes, Joe.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw
1: somebody predicted Joe Flacco will be the (laughs) Miami Dolphins starting quarterback next year.
0: Oh, it was. a Yes. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Don't miss it.
1: Load me into that cannon and shoot me right into the sun because that's that's not a pretty proposition. So uh, we'll need it. We'll tackle the rest of that. I need it. But uh, come back tomorrow. Listen to takes on takes. We got a great show lined up. Um, We also have a great topic for Thursday already that we're really excited about. Last week, we purged. Four teams from the NFL. He said, you guys are out of here. <laughs> this week, we're adding four teams, and we're putting together our proposition packages on those four markets that need NFL franchises. So if you're a star for a team, maybe we're going to pick your city. you got to let us know. Joe's on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter, at Grinding the Tape. I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino, and we are signing off. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.